Well, as always, it is such a joy to be up here. Who loves getting together with your brothers and sisters as the body? We have a special relationship with God. Other faiths, they don't have the personal relationship that the true faith, that our true God gives us. We have a personal relationship with God, and that is such a special thing that we shouldn't take for granted. And part of that special relationship with Him one-on-one is each other. Right? I mentioned it last week, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, all that you are. And the second is like it. Love each other as you love yourself. We have a special relationship with God, but by loving Him, by being His reflection, is also being together. And it's just such a special thing. I always feel encouraged. No matter what I think, I didn't think anything today. But sometimes you can even be discouraged and you just make yourself get together with the body. And it's always, always, it never fails that once we gather, you feel so encouraged being together as a brethren. So I just want to pray one more time. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that you're good to us. You love us. And Lord, I just pray right now that that gathering of the saints, Lord, just feel called to pray right now that this gathering, Lord, I pray for unity in this room. Lord, I thank you. The enemy tries to sift. He tries to divide. And even just without anything between us, just getting us alone is a way to get us in our own heads and, our, and, and unprotected. Lord, I thank you that we're here together. I pray for protection over this body, for your blood over us, body, mind, soul, and spirit right now as the body, one in you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been uh, looking to preach about uh, this particular subject, but I was waiting. I didn't want to bring it on during the holidays. I wanted to uh, save it for January, so I'm excited to preach. I started this in earlier December and want to get into something right away. This will be part two. I encourage you to get on to the podcast and listen to part one of The Truth Will Set You Free. You can find that through the iTunes, through SoundCloud, through our website, and uh, encourage you to go ahead and listen to that after this, just to remind yourself of um, what I preached on in, in December. I think it was the 12th or 11th, something like that. But basically, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, He said, to the people who believed in him, that's us, the church, to his people. He said to his church, to his people, you are truly my disciples. He's making a declaration. He's making a statement. It's steady. It's strong. It's coming from the Lord's mouth. It is the truth. When the Lord speaks, he speaks the truth. The truth is within this verse. He's speaking and he says that those who believe you are present tense, you are my disciples. It is who you are. And then he gives a clause. He gives a clause. 
It's a statement. It's steady. It's who you are. But if you abide in me, New King James, or if you remain faithful to my teachings. And he says in verse 32, and you will know the truth. Everybody together say, I know the truth. Why? Because we are, we are, he said it, we are his disciples. And because we have chosen to remain, many have not chosen to remain. Many do not abide. And that's a very sad thing for a believer. It's our job to stand beside them with as many breaths as they have. And we have to encourage them to come back to get back into his presence, to become a disciple again, to be, remain again, to abide again, because when we remain, when we abide, there's a truth in Christ and in Christ alone that sets you free. You know, many in the world don't believe they need to be set free. I've said this before. Many actually feel like they have no reason to come to God because there's not enough suffering in their life. There's not enough things. And what a sad lie from the pit of hell. I said last week or two weeks ago that it's actually a gift when we go through hard times. It's our everything in God's kingdom, right? It's the upside down, inside, outside, upside down kingdom. His kingdom is opposite. But when we go through a hard time, what's it do for us? It makes us see the frailty to the human life. It, we see the, the, ten, the tenderness to this world that it's so easily bruised that we're so, we can be so easily hurt and, and even that death comes so easily. But in Christ and in Christ alone, there's a truth. The ultimate truth is that there's no such thing as death, is there? There's no such thing. Only the body dies, but there you do not die. That is ultimately, he rescued us from sin, but sin is really, is, was the thing keeping you from the answer. The rescuing of sin is not really what he was doing. It's just that was a barrier in between. What he was really doing was taking you from the grip of death and bringing you into life. That's ultimately what he did. But there is an abundance of truth. There are truths in Christ there are layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of truth that you begin to see, that you begin to understand when you walk with Him. But many are on this side and they don't even know that they need Him. Many haven't maybe suffered enough or haven't gone through a tough enough time or haven't been revealed. God, the light hasn't made it yet into their heart and shown them really their great need for Him. And that's a sad thing. It's better that we've faced something. It's better that you have let his light shine because then you see your need for him. And the Bible says that we would be set free. Now, if Jesus said a firm statement, you are my disciples, it's said for all time. You are. This is who you are. And then he said another firm statement, when you are my disciples... You know the truth. 
you will when you become. You become. That's who you are now. Now you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's the reality about his word. When Jesus says something, it doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the devil thinks. What God says is what God says. And if he said that we needed to be set free, we need to be set free. If he's saying that there's a truth that comes by knowing Christ that will set you free, then let's believe him that we need to be set free. And what the devil could try to do for, to try to, and, and keep you really as an immature believer, and that's not who we are, try to keep you in a place that, that you've come to Christ, you found salvation, you've asked for forgiveness of your sins, but you don't really find freedom in this life. The devil wants to keep you trapped here in this place. Who can identify that many times in our Christian walk we've felt trapped? And that's an odd thing because we've come to Christ, isn't it? But the devil cannot. What does the Bible say? What does that say? What does that statement say? The truth will set you free. It's just as true as we are his disciples. Just as true as the truth is the truth. Remember, the world doesn't know. Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? They don't know. The world doesn't know. I mean, how can you put your finger on what that is? Jesus is who he is. God is who he is. Gravity is what it is. You don't have to believe in it. You don't have to like it. But it is what it is. And if you decide to bypass gravity, that's your choice, from the top of a building, you will find out that it is a truth that you cannot break. You may be able to bypass it for some time with a little bit of jet fuel. Well, eventually, even that plane, unless you keep it refueled, even that you cannot break his laws, his truths. And it says that his truth will set us free. I want to pound that into our brains today, that we need as Christians to be free. God wants his people free. The devil is trying to get you trapped. See, what happens is, is when we stay trapped, you may still be going to heaven, right? But if he can keep you trapped, then you are very little effect on the world. And you've heard me say it many times, going to say it again. You coming to Christ was step one, an amazing step, and the completion of who he is. But there's a step two for you on this life, your purpose here. You knowing him will be for all eternity, but you being here, because otherwise he could just say, bop, you're saved, whoop, take you right to heaven. Sometimes I've said, I wish kind of sometimes selfishly. Paul, I mean, it's not just me. Paul said that, I mean, I want to be here. He's like, God, I kind of want to leave. But I'm going to stay because for the sake of the people, because they need us. They need the, the hope that I found. And so we need to be free for the sake of this world. It's not healthy for you to stay trapped in bondage. It's not comfortable, but it could be permissible. You can get through life struggling with trappings. You can get through, but we are very little 
When we, who has gone to prayer? And when you're going through a tough time in your own personal life, what is your prayer life filled with? You. There's nothing wrong with that in that moment, right? But if the devil can keep it all on you all the time, if he's not freeing you, then it's just, it's our nature that, oh God, I need you in this area. And, and, there's, and again, there's nothing wrong with you. you need, it's true. If you don't get free, you're not going to be able to pray successfully. You're, don't rush that moment. But the ultimate purpose is to get you free so that then you are not thinking about you. We need to be free. God wants us free. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, By His divine power, God has given us everything. He's given us a few things, given us some things. He's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. In verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape. We are enabled to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. What do we need to escape from? What do we need to be freed from? See, in the beginning, God created us for fellowship. It was a simple life. Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply have dominion. The enemy tricked humanity, caused us to use our God-given right of free will, which we still have today, still the same scheme of the devil today as it was in that very moment, to start thinking inwardly, to start looking with natural eyes. She looked at the fruit, saw it was pleasant, forgot what God said, forgot all his goodness and his grace and his mercy and all of these things and knowing him and bypassed it and chose the world, chose the flesh. And there's been a battle between these two kingdoms. I don't know exactly when in creation of earth, when this devil started fighting God, we're not sure. But since humanity has been on the earth, there has been a struggle between two kingdoms. It's the reality that we live in still today. Who's the king? God is king. Who rules the universe, whether the devil likes it or not? God is God. He's not going to win. And with the devil, because he cannot touch God, God is not touchable. But God loves us so much, and he's proved his love for us so much so that he sent his own son for us. That's how much he loves us. So if the devil saw how much God loved his creation, then I can touch God, I can hurt God by touching what God loves. All right, we can understand that as a human being, right? If you were to touch someone we love, it hurts. 
So the devil's really just trying to hurt God by hurting you, keeping you trapped, keeping people out of his kingdom. He's hurting God. And that is not a new plan. This plan, this struggle between kingdoms has been since our time began. This is not new. But the Bible says that our flesh, our desire for instant gratification, for pleasure, for fame, for power, etc., that there was a desire in humanity that wanted to do what they wanted to do, right? What we want to do. And it gave the enemy power. The only power that the enemy has, the only trappings, the only bondage, etc., that he has is one that we give to him. The Bible says that when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Period. But the trappings, the bondage, we as humanity have given it over. Jesus said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to get you out. I'm going to free you. And you've heard me say this before. But as we cross over into freedom and as we find Christ, there's a desperate grip the devil's trying to get on you he can't in christ unless we let him but he's desperately trying to get you back into the old to the place that you were before because that's where you were corrupted that's where you were trapped that's where your nature is if he can get you there he's ultimately trying to get you from god if he can get you from God, he's also going to get your whole sphere of influence from God. Who's had a bad day sometime in the last month? Okay. Maybe a few of us. When you had the bad day, did anybody around you happen to have noticed? Maybe one or two people notice? Isn't it funny? It's an inward thing. You're like, leave me alone. I got to deal with something. It's a personal thing. But... You can't hide. You can't hide it. <laughs> My wife's smirking because she can't hide it. She knows it. She's always like, nothing. I'm like, so I can read you like a children's book. You can't hide it. And I'm not saying, listen, the Bible we don't have time. We could get into all kinds of scriptures that struggles our reality. Okay, so I'm not saying that in Christ you're not going to have any struggle because it's the struggle that puts you back into Christ that makes you lean upon him. I'm not saying there won't be the struggle, but when you, ready, here's the key, but when you let that struggle own you, when you let that control you, when you let that thing that you're going through get you into the old nature, the corrupted, instead of the divine nature, instead of God's desires, you start choosing your desires because we're weak. Instead of leaning on his strength, the world's going to see it. And if he can get you to have a bad day, I'm not saying 
going through a tough time, but if he can get that flesh to come out of you, you cannot hide it. Now, God's grace is upon us. There's tomorrow, isn't there? I mean, if the people around you, (laughs) if the people around you love you, they're not going to even remember, especially if you come back in fresh in a day or two. They won't even remember that you had a bad day a few days ago. We have grace and mercy, okay? So it's not the end when you have failed, when your flesh won that day. It's not the end. It was only a bad day. But the reality is, is he, he can, the more he can get you trapped, that's what I want to, to get us to see. The more trapped he can get you, the more days like that, very little effect on the world around us. It says in John chapter 14, verse 6, because when we decide to fulfill our nature, our human nature, it's really, it's like an animal nature. An animal just does what it needs to do, right? They don't care about anything or anybody. And science tries to say, they try to say that we're just animals like the rest of the world, right? I'm surprised. I wonder why there's even laws. I was meditating on this. Why is there laws if we're just an animal? Because there's no law on an animal. If it's hungry, what to do? It kills to eat. But then we kill. Isn't it funny? See, they don't even, they call us animals, but they have to do a law because they unknowingly, they know that we're not an animal, are we? We're different. We have a conscience. That's our our modern word, but the Bible will call that somewhere in your soul, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart. It's a bunch of words there to describe that place in us. But the world, they still, they can't even deny it. They, They create law because as much as they want to make us an animal, they can't. But here's the reality. When you lash out, that nature that's coming out of us is no different than animal nature. It's no different. Don't let the devil make you just an animal. That's what he wants. He says, look, here's science. That's what you are. And, and I know that it was, a, it was two things, really, why he put that into the school system was, one, it takes away God. If there's no God, then what's it matter? And two, when you start to act or live a certain way, then you can say, well, the pointlessness, I'm just going to do what I want, when I want, and how I want. And we become the very animal that they say we are. We are not an animal. Do not let your nature control you. You control your nature. I want to talk for a few minutes on that point. The reality is you can't do that by yourself. You try to do that on your own, you're always going to fail. That's why Jesus came. But the Bible says in John 14, verse 6, that there is a way. Jesus said, there is a way. I'm the way. Without me, there's another way. Does anybody remember the old way? Anybody know of another way other than Christ? Anybody used to live another way? There are other ways. But there's only one way to the Father. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, the world has a way. They have a way of living, a way of acting. They have a way that even, I was thinking about this, the line that we have, the pursuit of happiness. If your pursuit is happiness, you will never be happy. Ever. Ever. Because there's so many reasons, but just off the top of my head, you're never, ever going to be happy. There's never enough. It's never good enough. It's never enough money. There's never enough stuff. It's just never enough. You're not your pursuit of happiness. How do you even define such a thing? The world has a way. They have their own truths, which are lies. But there's a false truth. There's a false way and there's a false life. The epitome of, of life itself. America's going to have its own. I mean, each nation's going to, you know, we call it the American way. I, I don't know. I haven't been around the world enough. I don't know. But here in the U.S., we have a, a life that we aspire to. That we want to, man, if we can get to that, that's the life. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Very specific. Again, matter of fact, it's stated, it's settled, and that's it. No one can come to the Father except through me. And nothing else, no other way, no other truth, and no other life really matters. It says in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. In fact, the Amplified says there's a pride of life. It's, there's an assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. But the, says, the Bible says that these are not from the Father, but are from the world itself. There are two kingdoms. There are two lives you can live. There are two minds. There is a way that is God's, and there is a way that's the world's. This is not a new divide. This rift, this divide has been going on for all of time. In fact, it got so severe that God sent a flood he destroyed humanity because all that humanity wanted to do was what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, and how they wanted to do it. This is not a new divide. And he started again. Really, Jesus Christ represents the flood again, right? The flood was a washing of the old, a creating of the new. That's who Jesus is for all time. The flood only saved a few. The the power of Jesus Christ will save as many as are willing to accept it and believe in Him. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, we don't, come on church, this is the body, we don't look the things that are seen. We're not looking at now 
We're not looking at this time. Our eyes are not focused on this. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Our human nature is a now nature. Are we all like the rest of us? We're thinking about this very moment. It's very hard for us. We, we plan ahead. We do things to plan, but we're mostly thinking about right here, right now. How am I feeling now? How am I doing now? Etc. And the Bible talks about us fixing our gaze on eternity, on looking past this place, looking past what will satisfy our needs right now. If Jesus had satisfied his needs right here, if he had looked at his troubles here, he would have never went to the cross. He decided in the Garden of Gethsemane that my troubles are in front of me, but I can see beyond them. I can see a place that you can't see in the natural. And over there in that place, when I get through this place, this earth, this world, which is temporary, it's passing, it's fleeting, it's little, it's small, it's nothing in comparison to the greatness of God's kingdom of eternity. And the devil will try to trap you and put you. He was so stressed, he felt the weight of this world to such an extent that he was literally sweating blood. There's other, I'm sure that the level of pressure on him was more than will. We, do, we have never had the weight of the world. We may have a weight of our issues upon our shoulders. We've never had the weight of the world on our shoulders. But the analogy is the same, that the devil puts you in that spot and try to get you to think that this is it, that, that my suffering, where I'm at now, that I just can't imagine anything else, but now I just need to quit I just need to satisfy my flesh, I need to satisfy my desires. But Jesus stood up and he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Because he could see, he could see beyond the temporary. And the Bible is, it tells us in so many ways, so I can only talk very lightly today. But it says in the book of James uh, 1 verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says in, in James 4 verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, verse 8, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. New King James, you double-minded. The Bible tells us in many ways, but just for today, to think about this double-mindedness is not a new thing that, that we struggle. There has been since the, the beginning of time, there has, there's a, a nature within us. There is a mind within you that was, unfortunately, you can thank Adam and Eve when we get there, but really just thank yourself because we have the same nature as they do. But when we left the garden, when we left the perfection, our mind, our mind left that, it says, with its own desires. 
We left that garden wanting to fulfill what we want to make ourselves happy. We want to satisfy ourselves. We want to do for us. We look just as Eve did and we see what's pleasing to us now. And it's the mind of Christ, the mind of God, the single-mindedness that He's looking for in His people that pushes aside. That mind will come. Listen, the devil is not in control of your life. You are. All that he can do is try to influence you. He cannot make you do anything. All you can do, I'm sorry, everything you do is what you have decided to do. And the things you think are the things you have decided to think. I'm not talking about a passing thought, and that's what I want to talk about right now. The devil will put the passings. He'll try to put passing thoughts, try to plant seeds in your mind. He'll try to get you to think. He'll try to get you to look, try to get you. That's what the Bible was saying there. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. It's the things you can see now, the things that will satisfy me now, the things that will make me happy now get you to look, get you to feel, get you to be hang there in that place. And when you do, then it starts creating desires in you. Then she desired the fruit. She saw it was good. She saw it was pleasing. The spark, the moment that we are at as Christians, and I believe this is a message for this church because he wants us free. I believe that God wants to do, this is not hype, but I believe he wants to do huge things in you. And I believe he wants to do huge things in this valley. We're not the only church on the hill. I want to see God's church, the whole church in this valley revitalized, refreshed. I want to see this place, this valley saved. And God needs us free to do that. We have been given the freedom of salvation, but the devil will try to keep you in the trappings of your nature. And you're always then running back to God and asking God for his forgiveness and his grace, which is there. And, and thank you, Lord, that it's there. But if he can keep you in that cycle, just keep you here and never get you to come out to be the church, then he's hasn't won the war, but he's won, I believe, a battle for this region, and I don't want him to win. He can't win. We're going to win. God's going to win, but he needs us to be his people, and the key is that when those things come, when those things are trying to get your mind, they will come. They will come. The passing thoughts will come. The, the speculations, the feelings, the hurts, the envies, the strife, all of these things will come. They will come. But you decide that I'm going to be stable. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I, then I read James 4 verse 8 because I showed you that the times when we come back to God, the very thing he's asking you to do is we humble ourselves. We push away the devil. We cleanse our hands. But it says to become single-minded again. We, we have decided, and you can see that the, the moment, the spark, the place that God's really after in us is the mind. It's out of that place. It's once you think, as a man thinks, so is he. Why, is the, why can the Bible say that so surely? 
Because you start thinking it, you start thinking it, you start thinking it, you let that thing just hang there and hang there and hang there. Just give it time and that's who you'll be. That's what you'll become. Amen. Believe that God's looking for spirit people. We got to be spirit people. Lord spoke to me as clear as day in a dream the last six months. I don't know when it was exactly. I have it written down somewhere, but He said to me, I mean, as clear as day, you need to be led by the Spirit. If the Lord said something to me outside of the Bible, then I'd really, you know, really check it. But it was, I mean, we're talking straight up scripture here. Lord, okay. Now how to do that, the outworking of that. Like I said, it's been at least six months that I've been mulling over what that means. I can read the scriptures, but how to make, apply it, to put it into everyday living, this will be, uh, it, it will never end really until I die. But I want to put as much of it as in as I can into effect. I want to be led as much as we possibly can, um, as quickly as we can. Because if we, the Bible says in Romans 8, verse 1 in New King James, it says, Romans 8, verse 1, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to, to the flesh, this is your human nature. This is your desires, your mind, your feelings, your thoughts. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus who don't walk that way, but according to the Spirit. And if you read down, if you continue, it says in Romans verse 5, Romans 8 verse 5 says, and you can pull it up, says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. Pull up the NLT for me. It says, for those who live according to their flesh, which is the same as if you are dominated by your sinful nature. That's your flesh. It's your mind. You will think, if you let that thing stay, you'll be thinking about sinful things. But we, are who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. The Bible says it's right here. This is where it starts. And really, this is where it ends. Can we say that? This is where it starts and it ends. You, I can't preach it enough. I've said it a thousand times. It will not be the last Everything in God is a choice. Who was made to get come here this morning? Anybody? Did God make any of you come here? I mean, you felt like it would be a good thing if you, I mean, he, it, he pretty much makes you, but you had the choice. You had the choice. You have the choice to sin. You have the choice to obey God. It's a lie from the devil that you don't have a choice, that you can't help it. I can't help the way I feel. That's what the pedophile says. Do we agree with him? Why? Because his sin is, is more disgusting, more obvious. It's no different. 
When we say, I can't help, that means that you let your mind rule instead of letting the mind of Christ. I can't help, so I decided to let it rule. I'm going to get into this a little bit, you know, through, throughout some time, so I don't want to rush it. But it says in verse 6, letting the Holy Spirit rule. I'm not letting my sin nature rule because if I'm letting that thing rule in me, that's what I'm thinking about. But I'm letting the Holy Spirit because if I let my sinful nature control my mind, it leads to death. There's only one end. The sinful nature goes one place. It's a highway to hell. It's a fast track to hell, letting your sinful nature rule. It's not God sending anyone to hell. This is an interesting thought to think about. God doesn't send anyone to hell. God gave us life. He created us in his very image, gave us his own DNA. We decide we don't want heaven. That's really the truth. We decide, I don't want to trust you. I don't want to believe you. But if we let the Spirit of God control our mind, look what the Bible says. It leads to life and to peace. When you're at peace, everything in your life and around your life is peace, especially men living with women. When a woman's at peace, the house is at peace. <laughs> That's the reality. Your world will be peace when you are at peace. You will give life. You will give peace when you are life and peace. Verse 7. The sinful nature is hostile to God there's an opposition. It's, it says it never did obey God's laws, and it never will. It never did, and it never will. The, Bible, the Lord was speaking to me recently about being careful of compromise. I was just thinking about what that is, because we can do that in the church. We can do that in our finances, we can do that in so many different areas, relationships and all of these things. And all that really a compromise is, is that you come to an agreement between two parties. That's a compromise. But with God, there is zero compromise. This is a concept we need to get as the church. And it's, the, it's one of the lies that the devil will try to trap the Christian in. That there's room for me. Because the reality is, is when, when we start saying, what about me, God? What about my feelings, God? Why can't I have an opinion? Why can't my personality be part of this, my opinions, etc.? Because that's not really you. You may think that's you. Who has changed a little bit since they became a Christian? So the you that you think you are is only your perception of who you think you are, you should be, what you should do, etc. There is zero room in God for compromise. Zero. 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 Point zero zero zero. Just get that through our heads. Your mind will never, 
your human mind will never listen. It will always, 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 always be a choice. It becomes easier as we walk with him, doesn't it? Isn't it easier to make the right choices the more we walk with him? And I will get into that a little bit, but quickly just to end there because of time. What does the Bible say? We talked about it in September. How can we make it easier? How can we make it easier to make that choice to follow God, to live by the Spirit, to be Holy Spirit people instead of sin nature people? The Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, if you could just pull that up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Bible tells us, and I'll close with this. It becomes easier when we start spending time with God. When we, we, if we think, I'll get my mind right, no, you won't. The world's got a name for that, mind over matter. It doesn't work. It will only work in the things of this world. It doesn't work in spiritual things. Spiritual is spiritual. I have scriptures for this. Flesh is flesh. There is zero connection between the carnal and the spirit. The body, the flesh, the mind, it all stays here in the ground. The only thing that can be with God right here, right now, and in eternity is your spirit. He'll give you a new body because he can't even take that old thing with you. There is no connection whatsoever with this sin-filled flesh. In Christ, we have life, and that's it. And it says, the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper. Remember, we did a whole thing on this September it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And the Bible says that the sword is the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it cuts between our soul and our spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The decisions to follow His nature, it's already been given, we saw in Peter, Right? His divine nature was already given. It's an amazing thing that God did for us. And His nature, His divine nature is ours right here, right now. And when we let the Word cut and divide, the more we put His Word in, the more of His presence we get in our life, the more... It doesn't mean that that mind will go away. You will take that human nature with you to your grave. But you will see it. You will identify that, you know what? This thought brought some ugly fruit once in my life. This reaction, I used to react this way, and you know what? It didn't bring anything but pain and more suffering. And you'll start to see the Spirit of God through the Word. That's what Jesus said. Jesus promised us, when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit will guide you into all truth. This whole thing is that God's truth will set us free, but the only way to find the truth is to let the truth in. The truth is the truth. It was the truth before you were born. It's only becoming truth in your life because you're letting it in. And I can't express it more more. Now than ever before, we need to put more truth and more truth and more truth and more truth and more truth in us so much so we're going to be so packed to the brim with the Spirit of God, with His presence, with His truth, that immediately 
we can see that's soul, that's spirit, that's flesh, that's God, that's my old man, this is God's nature, that's the wrong choice, that's the right choice, through God and God alone, the Holy Spirit directing us. Amen? All right, amen. I could say a thousand more things, as you know. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each person here. You know us before we were born. We were fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb. Each one, Lord, for a plan and a purpose. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we pray a blessing upon each and everyone here and each and everyone that didn't make it today, Lord, and here physically. We pray for this body. We pray for your blessing. We pray for your protection, for your blood over this place. And we thank you, Lord, as we started the service, that we are one. And I thank you, Lord, that in you and in your kingdom, as we know, there is nothing and there is no one that can separate us from us, from you. And there is nothing that can touch us in you. Thank you, Lord God, that we have life, life abundantly by knowing you, living for you. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.